Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely... Absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstead, you mentioned during your newscast, this is Election Day. There is one statewide race. It is for the state Supreme Court seat. The conservative is Brian Hagerhorn. The liberal is Lisa Neubauer. I went and voted this morning. I went and voted this morning. Now, I vote in a different place than I used to. I don't live in Whitefish Bay any longer. And this is probably like the... I think it's probably the third time I have voted there. And we talk about like a low turnout election. Can I guess your number? Sure. Well, well what time of day was um, 8.45 it? 8.45 this morning. 8.45. I'm going to say 103. No, number 20. <laughs> <laughs> there was the, well, I, I, I was number oh, 20 man. at 8.45. But, but, but well, here, here's, the, here's the other. And again, see, again, this is only the, like the third time I think I've actually voted this polling place. So it's tough. It's tough to have a context of sure. it, but but I will give you an idea. It's eight forty-five. I drive over. I walk into the place. Um, I and I, I will say this. Okay, may, maybe my sense of humor. Sometimes people can't figure it out. But I walk into the place. Honest to God, there and I count them out. There, I mean, I walk in. There, everybody's thrilled to see me. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, there's a customer a here. There, I, there's somebody that's here. I mean, hello, everybody. There were honest to goodness. There were nine poll workers, nine, you know, doing different things, yeah, nine course, poll yeah. workers and me. <laughs> that, that was it. There, there, and everybody was very polite and nice sure. and stuff, you so know. You and it's, out, yeah. Well, right. And, and the, the first lady that takes my photo ID, she says, well, because, you know, I moved and my, my, I've updated my driver's license, my address with the Department of Motor Vehicles. But oh, that's what you have to. You don't have to go get a new driver's right. license with if your you new have, address on it until yeah. it expires. And she's like, well, this says you live in Whitefish Bay. I said, no, no, I, I live in Mequon. And, and you can tell, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the, the sense is, oh, don't send him away, for God's sake. He's here, you know. <laughs> you know but I, I was all registered, and it, and it was fine. But, no, I was number 20 mm, at, at okay. 845, and wow. everybody was everybody was quite nice and stuff. But I bring this up because did, did you were you saying, like, the estimates are maybe 25% turnout if, statewide? If, more like 20%, but, I, yeah. Right. And and so, again, it, it is an election day. There's a contested judicial race in Milwaukee County. There's a contested judicial race in Ozaki County. There are referendums all around, um, maybe some mayoral seats. And you have the statewide election for Supreme Court, which is a big deal. So, all right, maybe it was just kind of an aberration, but it should. I, I bring this up to motivate you to go out. See, yeah, it's good. You said number 120. You know what? I was thrown off because uh, Shamrez tweeted recently. He was in Whitefish Bay, and he was 407. And I was like, wow, that's great, 407. That's- I wonder if they uh, – my guess is they probably fed in all – no, no, sir. I mean, <laughs> they, they probably it, fed in all the, the absentee ballots. That would be yeah, my guess. That I mean, makes sense. So because otherwise there's – Otherwise, there is no. I know where Steve Shamrez lives. But there's no way. There's no way today. Four hundred and seven people went. Physical bodies went and vote. I would be yeah. at least. I would be very surprised about that. But bottom line is, get out and vote. I am proudly wearing my "I Voted" sticker. Yeah, well it is an important election, and and be nice to the poll workers. Absolutely, because they are. They they do that. That's it. Can be a tedious sort of job. All right, let us get started. Yesterday was the drop-dead date 
for the decision as to whether or not to continue a Milwaukee tradition. Since 1963, on July 3rd, the there has been a massive fireworks show that has been put on on the lakefront. My guess is that you have attended it. My guess is maybe you've you've built your entire 4th of July thing around it. People go out, they camp out, they make it a very very big deal. When the fireworks display was originally put into effect, it was in 1963, Schlitz sponsored it for oh, I don't know, the last X number of years. It has been underwritten by Originally, first Wisconsin, now U.S. Bank. Last year, U.S. Bank announced that they were pulling out. They weren't going to sponsor it anymore. U.S. Bank is no longer a, a Wisconsin-based company like it was when it was first Wisconsin. It, it's, it's based out of Minneapolis. So they announced they weren't going to sponsor it anymore. It costs about three hundred and fifty grand to put on the show. The county has apparently been looking for additional sponsors. At least as far as we can tell, they have not been able to find any. And that is at least anybody willing to come up and step up and put up the the, the big money. Maybe there's still secret negotiations going on, but the word was that they needed to have this done by April 1st in order to continue to have 3rd of July fireworks. Uh, It is now April 2nd, and there, there has been no announcement. Our number is 414-799-1620. I think it would be I think it would be a travesty if the lakefront fireworks were to disappear. I understand that we have had big community events which have gone the way of the dinosaurs. I mean, the examples I always give is the circus parade, which was around for years and years. Um, you know, the, the golf tournament, which most of us know is the Greater Milwaukee Open. They come, they run their course, they're replaced by new things. I get that. I think the lakefront fireworks are different. I think the lakefront fireworks, if they aren't staged this year, will be desperately missed. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, how big a deal is this? If the fireworks go away, why won't big companies step up to underwrite them if that, in fact, is the case? And is this going to be sort of a landmark institution that we're going to miss? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And my answer is this is one, if this goes away, I think it will be missed by more people than you might think. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. John in Brookfield. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you for having me on. Are you going to miss the fireworks if they go away? Oh, I sure would. I sure would. And I don't see them annually, but uh, if the city needs needs a staple such as that mm-hmm. uh, my comments were and my thoughts were that a company such as nml and or johnson control should be stepping to the to the fore here to uh uh take care of this and keep this tradition going also mm-hmm. i might call on ceos of various large companies as well Three hundred fifty thousand is a relatively small amount of money and i'd hate to see it go away uh when we have some suitors in the in the Milwaukee marketplace who can certainly take care of this. Well, you know, one of the things that this underscores, John, is the point that, that when you lose 
when when you lose companies as your headquarters city, it really does change the dynamic. Now, I mean, I I, I, I appreciate everything that U.S. Bank you know did over the years, sure. but but now the fact that they're headquartered in Minneapolis, it makes it easier for them to say, okay, you know, we we've sponsored, and it's time for somebody else to right. you know step up. Whereas if they were headquartered here in Milwaukee and you had the CEO that was attending you know all the breakfast meetings and stuff and was really a part of the community, it's tougher to say no but they're gone i mean it's what's milwaukee to minneapolis and again i'm not faulting them they, yeah no thanks for that that's whenever we talk about losing headquarters this is inevitably what happens and this isn't an indictment of u.s bank i mean they, they stepped up they contributed the money but again their 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 people aren't here yes they've got presence here because you know they do business here but the, the people who at the end of the day are the ones responsible for making the decisions now now they're in minneapolis that that's what happens. I mean, you look at Miller Coors. Well, okay, Miller Coors still has a huge presence in Milwaukee, but that the headquarters kind of scattered out all around. You know, he was talking about Johnson Controls. Well, Johnson Controls has a huge headquarters, has a huge presence in Milwaukee, but, you know, Johnson Controls is what an Ireland corporation now. All the times that happens, it removes the connection when the CEOs are gone, it removes the connection that the businesses have to the community, and it makes it tougher to find replacements for, uh, again, other companies once they leave. 414-799-1620. Look, and I understand that, that things run their course. The circus parade, with all due respect, I think ran its course. Attendance had started dropping, I think, precipitously. People had kind of seen it. They were ready to move on. It was a great event, but I, I get why that died. I don't think the July fireworks are in that state, though. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mark in New Berlin. Mark, good afternoon. Yeah, I just think it's terrible. This is a family event. It's free. Yep. You know, you don't have to pay $12 for a beer like at the stadium. Right. You know, it, you know, I just think it's terrible. Isn't there someone that can come up with $250,000 in the city? Yeah, 350, but yeah, but right. well, they each come up with a hundred, hundred thousand each. I what? mean, come on, we help the bucks out. I know I bring this up every time I call, but we help <laughs> billionaires out with a B, yeah. not an M, a B. I mean, can't they help us out a little here? What about the argument you know, that? We, what about the argument that we already have enough fireworks? You know, Summerfest on on opening night, the the week before they do their big bang thing. Um, you've got fireworks in in most of the local parks on July fourth. Are is it is the lakefront fireworks? Is it redundant? Are we fireworked out? No, not at all. Never will be. You yeah. can tell by the crowds and the people camping. Never. Yeah, I see. I, I mean, th- thanks. For, I, I agree. That's one of the things that that has always struck me about the July third fireworks. Now, I, I, I look when, when we talk about the domes. Every once in a while, you know, somebody will call. Well, it's the, the domes have been there forever and ever, and and you know we, we'd hate to see them come down. Even though we admit that the the structure needs a lot of work, and we don't know where we're going to get the hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this. And I will always say, well, when was the last time you were at the domes? And almost everybody will say, Jeff, you got me there. Well, th- I think this is kind of different because my guess is that maybe you don't go to the lakefront fireworks on July third every year, but my guess is. You know, lots and lots of people have been, you know, once every few years or something like that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Mike in Bayview. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Um, I'm, I was just wondering, do you think that it has something to do with, you know, I don't know who insures this, you know, about the insurance. It ain't so much the fireworks, but who who would actually insure this? You know, how does how does how would that work? 
I don't think that's it. No, I think it, I just think it's, I mean, U.S. Bank, to their credit, was underwriting this. They were shelling out 350 grand and they've been doing it for years. And I think they just decided, okay, this, you know, it's time for somebody else to take over. This isn't the best use of our money. And so far, there's been no other corporation that's willing to, or individual that's willing to, to step up. And I admit, you know, some people think, well, the, the county should pick up the tab. Given all the burdens that, that the taxpayers have in Milwaukee County, it's tough to say, okay, let's take $350,000 in public money and let's do a lakefront fireworks. So, I mean, I, right. I you know, right. th- that's what I think is, I, I just think it's, there, there's nobody to step up to replace U.S. Bank, at, at least right now. Maybe there's somebody secret that's going to jump in at the last minute, to which I say, go with God. That That's great. I'm just not sure that's going to happen. Yeah, will, yeah, I, I don't know. I just... Hello? Will you, will you miss them if they're gone? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because I... Because, you know, it's been, it's been a family thing forever. And, I you know, it just, it's just like... It just gets you in the mood, you know, for... Everybody mm-hmm. for the next day too, you know, because you have well, you have it at the parks. Okay, right. I got to be honest with you there. You have it at the parks, but there's a lot of people that you know that go, you know, they'll go to both. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, it's it's a it's it's it's, it's a fantastic show. I mean, uh, well, and I I have not noticed interest waning. I, I mean, I, I look, admittedly, I don't go every year anymore, but I but I go once every few years, and it seems to me it's just as crowded now as it was ten years ago, as it was twenty five years ago. I mean, people build their entire holiday around those 3rd of July fireworks. You know, Jeff, what about what about something like this here? You know, like they always have those uh, they have those uh, you know the, the fireworks at the beginning of Summerfest, okay? Right, the big bang, that yep. Yeah, well, a lot of people have been complaining about that being on a work night, you know that it's a, it's a work night, you know that uh, we have to get up and you know that's uh, you know it's been a lot of problems there. What would happen if they were to take that night and move it to you know, July 3rd. Well, I mean, you see, know? now, now, see, you're, now, Mike, I give you credit. You're, you are, what's the cliche? You are thinking outside of the box. So maybe, now, I, I mean, I understand these, these commitments are made well in advance, but maybe that is something if the July 3rd, if nobody steps up, nobody steps up to underwrite the cost of something like this, maybe what happens is, you know, moving forward, maybe Summerfest looks at saying, okay, do we move the Big Bang to, you know, July 3rd? Do we consider doing something like that? That's a thought. You know, it's interesting, Mike, you're calling me from Bayview. Um, for, for people who have grew, grown up in this area like I have, I mean, remember, you mean, for, for almost 70 years, Bayview had their South Shore frolics. Um, that was a couple weeks after, you know, July, the July 4th holiday, but you had the South Shore frolics. And remember, they, they used to have great fireworks displays. Well, ultimately, some people started complaining about the fireworks, et cetera. So that's that the frolics have kind of disappeared as well. Eddie and Franklin, Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. Uh, I say, and I know you're a sports fan. You always watch the Brewers and I the do. Bucks and whatnot. Gruber Law Offices. That guy has like nine different commercials for every time they even air a game. He's got a different sweater for every commercial. Right? I mean, he's got deep pockets. They brag about winning these multi-million dollar settlements. <laughs> and let's face it, he loves Milwaukee. He's he does. a guy that I, I guarantee you, if 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 you gave him an opportunity, <laughs> put Gruber Law Offices on the fireworks. <laughs> what, 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 one fireball, that's all, huh? Well, Eddie, that is a suggestion. David Gruber, um, um, he and his, his wife graduated from law school a year behind, behind me, and we are, our careers have taken different directions. But I, I run into David all the time, and I think he's a great guy, and he's uh, certainly, 
certainly filled uh, filled a niche and had a great deal of success. Next time I see Mr. Gruber, I'll I'll, I'll mention that. I'll say, hey, Eddie and Franklin says, hey, you, you should underwrite the you know you know the the whole fireworks display. Actually, I mean, three hundred fifty grand is a lot. That it, it's a big ask, and I, I don't mean to downplay it because you, you always and I appreciate these companies have to kind of do this balancing, and there's only there's only so much they can end up doing. I'm just saying this. I think unlike sometimes where you say, all right, it's not going to be that big a deal if the event goes away. The golf tournament, the, the Greater Milwaukee Open or the U.S. Bank Open or whatever they called it, that goes away. Interest had died in that, and it's been replaced now. You know, We've got major golf tournaments that come. We've got the Ryder Cup coming. Not every year, but it's been replaced, and that's okay. And I, I think it, it, it had its purpose. It served its time, and it's time to move on. I don't believe we're like that with the 3rd of July fireworks, and I hope there's somebody out there that's willing to stay step up and and stage them not just this year but moving forward this is jeff wagner this is jeff wagner on wgmj jeff wagner so very glad to have you with us this is why we have the best engineers around alert them to a problem and now all of a sudden the clock is reset it is it is kind of freaky though when you're doing a radio show and you know you're used to kind of glancing up and i'm thinking huh I know it says what time it is and when I'm supposed to be taking a break, but I, I don't think that's the right time. <laughs> but we are all back on track now. All right. Speaking of on track or not on track, there was a story. Actually, I saw it first on Fox 6, credit where credit is due, yesterday. And it, it talks about these parents who are sending you know their kids to a, a school? Um, it's an it's an MPS school, the Wisconsin Conservatory of Lifelong Learning. It's near Twelfth and State, and the parents are essentially saying that this this school is out of control. They th- say three separate times in the last two weeks, um, there have been fights. The, the the Fox Six reporters say, you know, when when we went to the building on uh, yesterday, our team noticed a boarded up door, people banging on the outside of the building, and students yelling from the windows. All right, and then they interviewed parents who say, hey, you you know it's a problem. Your kid comes home and says that he just doesn't feel like they're safe at school. Another parent says there's no control at all. It's really bad there. I mean, it's just we we are scared for our safety, and and we're pulling kids out. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I understand that there are all sorts of challenges that come with running schools, particularly schools in urban areas. And I understand in any school district, you're going to have good schools and you're going to have mediocre schools and you're going to have bad schools. I get all that. I don't think it is too much to ask, though, to say at a bare minimum, you have to have safe schools. And by safe schools, I I mean, I understand that you're not going to be able to guarantee that there's not a fight that breaks out from time to time. That's just what ends up happening. At the same time, you do, I think, have to guarantee that on a daily basis, when kids go to a school, they're not going to have to fear for their life. And it certainly sounds like this school 
is clearly not meeting what I think is that sort of basic standard. And the parents are all talking about pulling their kids out. Well, I mean, I guess my response would be, number one, yeah, if, if that's it, if you legitimately believe that your children are not safe, yes, you, you need to pull your kids out. And number two, I guess, how can any school system allow the situation to deteriorate to such a point that it gets to be that point? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I admittedly, I don't have children, but I've got, you know, a niece and a nephew. I've got grandchildren now. I, I would not. I would not allow my child to go to a school on a daily basis where essentially the teachers, the administrators had lost control over that school and I felt my child's life or you know safety was in danger. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I think the biggest question here is, pardon my French, but what the hell is going on, and how do you let it deteriorate to this stage? Let's start with Matt in Milwaukee. Matt, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I can't make this too long. I'm, I'm actually a teacher. I'm on my lunch break right now. Um, but uh, I was going to say, it's, it's very scary. I don't think people, uh, many Milwaukee residents, know um, that schools like this. There are many schools in the same situation where there is no learning going on and no teaching. Um, like I said, it's very scary, and I know for a fact the public is not aware of this. How how has it gotten – well, first of all, when you say very scary, can you give me an example real quick? Um, just the chaos in the classroom, in the hallways, um, just the chaos. And it, just to know that, like I said, no teaching is going on, no learning is going on because you can't teach. Mm-hmm. And you think this is just – this story about this school, you believe it's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I have, I have no doubt. I, I can't believe that something like this hasn't come out earlier. Um, but yeah, this, this, what's taking place there I, is happening in uh, not the majority, but uh, many schools in Milwaukee. Okay, thanks for the call, Matt. Keep your head down. 414-799-1620. Here's what MPS says. says they strive to provide a high-quality education and a safe environment for every student in the district. When we become aware of a situation that distracts from education or safety, it receives our complete attention. Well, obviously not. Obviously not. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, here's the bottom line. Don't the kids deserve better? And how can situations like this be allowed to go on? I mean, I understand you're going to have bad apples. You're going to have some troublemakers. But it sounds like this school, I mean, you've essentially got the troublemakers that are running the entire thing to the point that the parents are afraid to send their kids there. How can we continue to tolerate this? And I have to tell you, I am in complete and total support of the parents who are on television yesterday saying, we're pulling our kids. You know, we're, we are not allowing this to happen. Well, the question is, these people shouldn't have to pull their kids. Whoever is responsible for allowing the school to deteriorate, and if Matt is right and there's others like this, the head should be rolling. I mean, seriously, jobs should be lost. This is not something that just happens overnight. 414-799-1620. We pick it up right there. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
If you saw this report on Fox 6 last night about what's going on at the MPS school, the Wisconsin Conservatory of Lifelong Learning, seriously, it it looked more like the behavior you would expect to see if you went to a a juvenile prison than you would if you went to an MPS school. The parents have had enough. How did it get to this state, and where do you go from here? Jamie in West Bend. Jamie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, Yeah, I went to... Milwaukee Public Schools growing up, and probably about 1979, I was integrated from James Madison to Washington High School, and there was so much chaos in my classes at Washington High School. I stopped my algebra teacher at that time and told her I couldn't learn, and she said there was nothing she could do about it. Um, I would have to meet with her after school. Well, because I was being bused, I couldn't do that. So <laughs> this has been going on for a long time. Well, and and how? I mean, thanks for calling. How do people tolerate this type of thing? I mean, if it look okay, I, I grew up in the suburbs, but if it was my kids, I wouldn't tolerate that. That that's that you're sending them there to get an education. You're not sending them there. To hope that, you know, you consider it to be a good day if you get through the day and you haven't been attacked. Here's a text, Jeff. My ex works at Hamilton High School. They were told not to call 911. A young man was beaten so bad he was bleeding from the ears, had a ruptured spleen. They called his parents first to come in and not an ambulance. I mean, you wonder how often this stuff is going on and that it's getting swept under the rug. And like I say, what caught me about this, this TV report yesterday is this is not something that happens just, just overnight. This is a systematic failure. Uh, it's look. It's, it's one thing if you'd say, okay, well, there was this isolated thing. Two kids had a had a go to, you know, in the cafeteria, and there was something, you know, that had been going on for a while. Okay, I understand how that can happen. This is. I mean, figuratively speaking, it's the inmates that are in charge. And I understand they're students, not inmates, but you almost wonder, you know, is, is that what this is essentially becoming? And MPS's response is, well, you know, our safety is a big concern. You know, we're going to look into it. Well, how did you let it get that bad in the first place? 414-799-1620. Troy in Wauwatosa. Troy, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, you know, I think one of the things, you know, I've, I've lived in in Wisconsin for about 25 years now, and we moved to Wauwatosa about 22 years ago. And what I've seen, I've seen over the last couple of years, I've been a football coach in the private sector and in NPS. I think what I see now is that parents are starting to realize that they can do open enrollment, they can do voucher programs mm-hmm. and get their kids out of those schools and get them suburban schools where um, not saying that the system is that much better, but they're not having the the issues in the suburban yeah. schools that they're having in the inner city. And I think people are making that choice. And I think it's a, I think it's a good choice to be able to have that if 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 this school, if my school is not treating my kid right, they're not getting the education right, they're being bullied or whatever the case may be, to send them somewhere else where that they can get a, a better education for one. Uh, they're around people who are are trying to do the same things and not have to deal with the knuckleheads issues that yeah. go on. The knuckleheads, yeah, yeah, exactly, knuckleheads that go on in the public school system, and it's it's sad, you know, especially being a coach for ten years in the public school system and seeing what goes on. You know, a lot of times that happens, and you have to deal with it. But 
I think they're not dealing with it right, and that's why people are try- are making those decisions to to leave the public school system. Well, and w- without getting too political about it, which is one of the things I that's one of the th- reasons I find it so outrageous that you have a new governor and you have people aligned with him who want to limit the ability of people to you know get their kids out of this. Let's let's put caps exactly. on open yeah. enrollment and stuff like that. Well, all right, if you can't fix the public schools, all you're doing is condemning the kid. If you limit open enrollment or you limit the ability to go to the charter schools, you are just trapping entire groups of people into, you know, these schools that are nothing but, you know, boxing academies. And that's not right. Exactly. Exactly. That's not right. We should, people should be, have to, should be able to choose. I believe that. They should be able to choose where they want their kids to go to school and provide a better education for them if they're not being provided education where they're at. Well, well exactly. Now, thanks for calling. Now, now again, the, the corollary to that is, you know, if MPS... All right, if MPS systematically didn't have schools like this, well, there there arguably wouldn't be the need for open enrollment. There wouldn't be the need for these things. But as long as you allow schools like this to flourish, and again, this we're not talking about an, an isolated fight, at least according to all these parents, we are talking about a school that is completely and totally out of control. And my guess is it's just the tip of the iceberg, but this is getting attention because parents finally said, enough is enough and i can't fault him for that jimmy in milwaukee jimmy you're on wtmj good afternoon hey good afternoon jeff um long time listener first time caller I this want to say. this is what motivated you to pick up the phone well welcome to yeah. the show <laughs> all right thank you um first of all i went to a catholic school when i was when i was younger and then i had to go after that to a milwaukee public school now don't don't we think uh, just at least a little bit that this starts with the parents yes. and the parenting oh, sure. and and the kids, how, how they how they act at home, and then yep. they bring this to the schools. Yep, yep. It, you know, right. I mean, it right, and it, and that's why. That, that's right. I think it, I think it starts at home with parents who are punched out. I, I think it goes back in many respects to school administrators and school teachers who can't discipline people anymore. You know, you right. you know, and so it, it just it, it all fosters itself. But at the end of the day, I mean, would you send your kids to a school where essentially you know there, there's no learning going on? I mean, absolutely not. I mean, I understand the point there. But when are these teachers going to get a grip on things? You know, when does that happen? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, and, and I think that you know, with, but in fairness, in defense of the teachers, the teachers would say that there's only so much we can do. We're prepared right. to teach, but we essentially end up just all right. Our our goal is to get through the day without some guy, somebody, you know, getting hurt so badly that they have to go to an yeah. emergency room. <laughs> no, I completely understand you. Yeah, no, th- right. Thanks. So, I mean, I. I don't have a magic answer for, you know, the the problem here. I mean, I think it is it it is it is a it is in some respects a societal problem. I, I don't have an answer for that. But at the same time, you can't condemn kids to school systems like this. And the, the, one of the interesting things about the video, I should tweet, tweet out a link to the story, is that, so the, the cameras roll up, and this is this is yesterday, and they're, they're talking about how you've got a front door that's boarded up, people are banging on the outside of the building, students are yelling from the windows. This is just, it is an alien experience to me. And I'm sorry, and I think for most people, it would end up being, you know, an, an alien experience a, as well. And I... I get that you've got a system 
that has to figure out how to deal with this, but it doesn't seem like they're doing a very good job of it. And at least from the perspective of the parents who were on TV yesterday involving this one particular school, they're saying enough is enough. MPS should have said enough is enough a long time ago. That's what I think is a fair criticism. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstein, I told you I voted this morning around 845. I was number 20 at our polling place. Yeah. Um, my wife says she just voted. She was number 240. Oh, okay. So, but again, a surge. It, it surge. Right? And, but what I don't know and what's difficult to tell about these numbers is, is each of the polling places... They handle absentee ballots differently, mm-hmm. and I, in some cases, they feed them in during the day. In some cases, they feed them in first thing in the morning. In the city of Milwaukee, they wait till the end, and then remember, remember that was the big thing in the, the Walker-Evers uh, election, right. that the city of Milwaukee reported its numbers, but apparently they didn't decide to you know enter all the absentee or early ballots until afterwards which mm-hmm. created a huge controversy and I, I guess raised all sorts of issues so I, I I don't know what that means whether there's actually were there really 220 people that went between when I went and when my wife went or did they put in absentee ballots but the bottom line is it's going to be a lower turnout election oh sure yep maybe 20 percent maybe a little bit more we'll see well and I think it's going to depend on community community what's going on in, in, in Madison for example You've got, got you've got you've yep. got the mayor race, right? Um, aging hippie, aged hippie Paul Soglin trying to hang on to the mayor's race. He's the one when he ran for unsuccessfully for governor. He said, I'm, "I'm I'm done. I'm gonna I'm not gonna run again." And then after that didn't work out, he changed his mind, and decided to run. So you know, he, so that'll be a, a big race. You've got school referendums in the area. Mm-hmm. You've got judicial races. You've got mayor's races, and we'll know the results. Polls close what eight o'clock tonight? Yes, right? yep. eight o'clock. And so keep it tuned. We will continue to keep you updated. All right. I want to talk a little bit about health insurance, but I'm going to try to do this in a fashion. Don't don't just let your eyes glaze over. Health insurance is a very important thing. As if you have ever been in a situation where you have had a catastrophic event, be- believe me, you will be glad that you you have health insurance. You you will be, and, and so that's why I always encourage people. I think it's just a smart investment to get the best health insurance you possibly can because when you need it, you are really going to need it. Lord forbid, hopefully hopefully you never get that, that really bad diagnosis or something, but if you need it, you want to get it. That being said, individuals make choices all the time. Uh, under Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, one of the big changes that they made to insurance was that they said that All insurance policies that are offered have to have 10 of these essential benefits. And and they had to cover things like hospitalizations and emergency services and maternity and newborn care. And they had to cover mental health disorders. They had to cover problems with substance abuse. They had to cover chronic disease management, all these different types of, of situations. And it said that had to be covered. Well, when you say something has to be covered, that means that, you know, you have to pay for it. Well, what about if if you don't think you're ever going to use that? What about if you're in a situation where you don't need maternity and newborn care? Okay, trust me, I'm at this point in my life where I'm not having kids. 
don't need maternity and newborn care. So for me to pay for that as part of an insurance policy doesn't make any sense. I, I don't need it. But under Obamacare, if you get one of these policies, everybody has to pay for it. That wasn't the case before Obamacare. People could pick and choose what type of coverage they wanted. And you could have people that got the Cadillac plans, and you also had people that got basic plans that were were cheap, but they covered what they wanted. Let us say, for example, let's talk a little bit about uh, a pre-existing condition. Let's say, and and I think this is one of the, the big issues that people have, and the idea that, hey, if you've got diabetes or you've got cancer or something and you lose your job, that you shouldn't not be able to get affordable insurance because you're, you're sick. All right, and that's fair enough. But what about a situation where you're 22 years old, you are in very, very good health, and and you're not concerned about a cancer diagnosis. Now, maybe you should be because young people get cancer. Believe me, I know that. But what if you're in a situation where you say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not worried about this. I don't need this. Or I don't want, I, I don't, I'm not concerned about mental health disorders. I'm not concerned with if I, if I had to go to rehab, I want the insurance to pay for it. I'm not worried about that. I don't need this, and so I don't want to pay for it. Well, under the Affordable Care Act, you have to pay for all of this stuff. It's all included. One of the things the Trump administration has been doing is they have been looking at approving policies that are are so-called like the, the skimpy health plans that do have limits. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't, don't pro- fully provide for pre-existing illness. Maybe they have lifetime maximums for how much money they should pay out. Maybe they're not as good as the full-blown insurance plans that are there, but they're cheaper. And given an individual, maybe an individual only needs, again, the bare bones type of coverage, they don't need the Cadillac plan. Well, one of the things the Trump administration is looking at doing is expanding these, saying, look, we want to allow people to sell these, these quote-unquote, these skimpy health insurance plans so that people can decide, well, you know, yes, I need to have insurance, but I don't need to have all this insurance. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, don't, don't get me wrong. I think health insurance is a very, very good investment. My advice is get the most you can possibly afford because hopefully you'll never have to use it. But when you have to use it, you're going to be glad you have it. That is my philosophy. At the same time, you know, if a 22-year-old decides, gee, I can save a lot of money by not getting the full-blown thing. I don't need the buffet All I need is to order a couple things a la carte off the menu, and I'll be happy. Should they be able to do that? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should you be able, there's so many things in life that we have our choices to make. We choose all sorts of things. We choose if we want to go to the buffet or we just want to order one or two things. That's a classic, classic example. Should you be able to make those choices, inform choices, when it comes to your health insurance, 414-799-1620. We pick it up right there. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
So very glad to have you with us. Let's talk to Dave on the south side. Hi, Dave. Hey, uh, Jeff. Uh, you didn't uh, point out starting January 1st, a lot of companies uh, didn't have to offer uh, the best insurance anymore, and our company was one of them. And I'm kind of worried about the coverage they offer now. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper per check, but your your coverage, and I'm 53 years old, is not very good anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's the thing. You get a, you get what you paid for too, Jeff. Well, you know, you 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 clearly do. And like like I said at the outset, Dave. I, look, I'm a big believer. Invest in health insurance. You know, I get get the most you possibly can. It's worth it in case you you need it. But let's take my example of the you know the 24 year old kid who doesn't you know isn't worried about the catastrophic stuff isn't worried at least at this point in time about the lifetime maximums um isn't worried about the pre-existing condition coverage right now why should is it fair to make them pay for it see then you'd have to offer two different policies mm-hmm. people in their 50s and people in their 20s and companies just generally offer one Right. Well, down the road, you know, that's the problem. Well, you right. You, I mean, no, thanks for going. I mean, you would, and, and that's see, that's the way, that's the way it was before the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare. You had all sorts of different policies, and you also had a private insurance market where it was much more competitive. You had people who could go out and they could buy policies on the private market that, in many cases were a lot cheaper. Now, let's forget the Obamacare subsidies for a minute, okay? Let's forget the taxpayer subsidies. But you had many people who could go out on the private market and they could buy policies that had a lot more coverage for a lot less money, um, again, putting aside the, the government subsidies. And, and so, but they can't do that anymore because there's, in general, there are these requirements that you have to have all this type of coverage. I'm not against getting the coverage, but at the same time, why Why should you – this is the argument you get with cable TV sometimes. I mean, why should you have to pay for 200 channels if you're only, if you're only going to watch 10 channels? That, that's, that's sort of that argument boiled down. 414-799-1620, Freddie in Milwaukee. Freddie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, listen, uh, I know through experience that when you go through private exchanges to buy insurance – the first thing they tell me right now is buyer beware. Yep. Because, uh, yep. You know, <laughs> you know, you could buy the strip down policy, okay? Right. But it's going to wind up called pay me now or pay me later in advance. Well, to to right. I mean, as, but as long as you know, you're you're exactly right that if if you buy, let, let's say you. Let's say you buy a policy that doesn't have pre-existing co- coverage for pre-existing conditions, some sort of stripped-down thing, and and you have one. Well, then you're you're going to be out of luck. Let's say you buy a stripped-down policy that has a lifetime maximum on the amount of payouts. Well, then then you're going to be out of luck. So I I do agree with you. It's buyer beware. There's no but question about it. The game is called the final words he puts in here now is called pay me now or pay me later. Yeah, well. Because if you buy the stripped-down policy and say you're the 22-year-old that thinks you're in very good condition, right? and all of a sudden you come down with diabetes or cancer, if you think that you can run out and get yourself a better policy the following year or the following month, Forget it. I mean, there's going to be time limitations on those policies. Yep, there, there is. And, and that, in that case, thanks for calling. And in, in your example, you're right. It's a bad decision, which is why 
I, I, I agree with the basic premise of, of buyer beware, and it's why I would discourage somebody from doing that. I'd say, look, it's worth, it is worth the extra money, whether you're 22 years old or 62 years old, it's worth the extra money to get as much coverage as you possibly can. I, I fully believe that. But see, this is kind of a free market the discussion here, as a general rule, let's take automobile insurance. We, when, when you are buying automobile insurance, there are certain minimums that you have to have. But after, after you get those minimums, well, you know, you, you can pretty much decide how much do I want to spend? What are the limits? At what point in time? Am I willing to kind of self-insure? In other words, I, I have a deductible of of $2,000 because if I am involved in an automobile accident, I'll pay the first 2000 Or do I want it where the deductible kicks in after $500? I mean, you make those different choices based on your personal situation. If we do that for automobile insurance or you do that for your homeowner's insurance, what are the limits here? How high a limit do I want to have? You know, all those different things are rational decisions that you make when you're buying insurance. Why should it really be different with health insurance as long as you are, are informed about these things? 414-799-1620, James in Kenosha. Hi, James, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I just wanted to mention a, I'm a, a physician now that happens to be off today, and so I have some knowledge of, of, uh, of this issue. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, the problem we get into when you start allowing people at all different ages and genders to opt out of coverage that affects somebody else is you get this adverse selection problem, which is the leads to unaffordability. It's a problem with Obamacare right now. Too many young, healthy people saying, well, bad things never happen to me, so I can let, let the old people just get it. The problem is a 24-year-old, take from my experience, is most certainly not immune to cancer. Right. They're diagnosed with cancer every single day around the country. Um, and, and, yeah, yep. older people get more cancer, but young people certainly get it, too, and it's catastrophically expensive. Yep. What are they going to do when they're the unlucky ones? And they're only one motorcycle crash or one car crash away from intensive care and potentially millions of dollars in, in, uh, in bills. Which is, which is why it is a bad idea to cheap out on insurance. I, I, I agree with you, Doctor. There, there, there's no question about that, but I guess... Why do we treat health insurance, say, differently than we treat, I don't know, um, liability insurance? Why do we treat it differently than other levels of insurance where you can have, you know, you, you can set your rate. You you don't have to have a personal liability umbrella that covers $3 million in damages. You can go with, you know, something that's $20,000, even though that, that's probably not enough. But we let you make that choice. Well, with Medicare, for instance, is, is a health insurance plan. We don't have, you know, when you turn 65, you don't get, you know, there, there isn't uh, car auto coverage for everyone. Right. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's more of a, you know, necessity. Uh, you know, you could argue just, you could just do without a car and do without car insurance, but you can't do without health insurance. And it, it is a need for every single person in the country. So, you know, the fact that, that some would just say, well, we don't need it or I'll just skip it. But I think the weakness of Obamacare was that there wasn't enough teeth to get everybody into it. If everybody were in it, it would be more affordable for everybody that is. And remember that 24-year-old, when he gets to 64, will right. be glad that he, you know, that, that the rule went that way. Right. And, and of course, with Medicare as well, you know, he doesn't need it because he's young. Well, he will. Right. And, you know, we, we've got it as a society have to realize that costs have to be shared over everybody or when you get to a certain age, it's going to be unaffordable for everyone that's there. Well, I mean, right. And I mean, thanks to call, doctor. And, and, and of course, the same thing applies to an extent to automobile insurance where you say we need you, you can't just have 
You can't just have the bad drivers that are in there. You you need the good drivers in that pool as well, because if it was only the bad drivers that you were making the payouts to, the insurance companies would end up going under. You need the people that are going to drive for 10 years and never have a claim that are paying that money because that money then goes to help underwrite. I mean, and I, I understand I, I understand the point. But to your point about the Affordable Care Act, it's something I think we definitely agree on. The problem is the the penalties for not having insurance are so small that it really it, it doesn't create a disincentive. So you have all sorts of people who aren't participating anyways, and they're just saying, well, the heck with it. I'll, I'll pay whatever it's going to be because I don't think there's a value to the insurance that I'm having. And if I do get sick, I can sign up. Now, there's a waiting period, et cetera, but I, I will be able to get si- to sign up. That That's part of the flaw of the whole thing. I guess I wonder if it wouldn't be better just to have make it, Go back to a system where, you know, people were able to decide what levels of coverage they were comfortable with and then buy the insurance around that. And again, if anybody's listening to me, I want to just emphasize, I I, I think you really are penny wise and pound foolish if you skimp on certain things. And insurance is one of those, whether it's health insurance or automobile insurance or homeowners insurance or whatever. You hope you never need it. But if you do need it, you're going to need it big time. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. All right. The Brewers. Big win last night. Four and one on the season. Any day you can say Brewers win, Cubs lose. It's a good day. And that's been the last three games in a row. Cubs are at the bottom of the National League Central. Now, I understand it's still early, but... You take your small victories. But anyhow, that, that game against Cincinnati yesterday, I, I and the way I take in the games is I, I put them on television, watch them, but then whenever possible, I turn down the sound and then, you know, hook it up and I, I listen to the, the call that you get from Bob and Jeff or on WTMJ. I think that's the way you enjoy games. Here's what struck me last night. Okay, so it was a really cold night in Cincinnati. You have, again, the players are clearly uncomfortable. Christian Yelich, who doubles to start the ninth inning and then comes in when Ryan Braun doubles. I loved his line afterwards. He said, well, you know, it's we figured it wasn't getting any warmer out here, so let's just win this game and we can go in and get warm in the clubhouse. And that is precisely what they did. But I, I had a throwback when I was watching that game to when I first started watching Brewers games in the early 1970s at County Stadium. These April nights, it it was really it used to be really cold out at County Stadium. Can I see a show of hands? People who remember going to these games in April and just absolutely freezing. Last night in Cincinnati, the announced attendance seven thousand seven hundred and ninety nine. The announced attendance, which I believe is tickets sold seventy eight. Hundred people. Now, keep in mind, over the weekend, the Brewers were drawing thirty-five thousand to forty thousand. The opening day had forty-five thousand fans, and Cincinnati they had seventy-eight hundred. That was announced attendance, and my guess is, again, just looking at the TV pictures, if they said that there was seventy-eight hundred, you know, tickets sold. My guess is about 4,000 people either weren't there or they came dressed as empty seats. I mean, the place was just absolute. I don't know that I have ever seen a major league ballpark that was that 
empty. Now, again, I, I understand it's a Monday night. The Cincinnati Reds aren't that great. It's really cold. It's April. But they, they had 7,800 tickets sold. And again, probably half that who actually showed up. And you know that's got to have an impact on players. And for everybody who wonders whether or not Miller Park was a good investment, you, you just... You, you just look. I mean, look, I understand if the Brewers were playing the Reds at home on a Monday night, would they draw 40,000 people? Well, probably not. But they draw 25,000. They draw twenty-five or 30,000 people. And I understand the Brewers are a better team than the Reds, and everybody's kind of excited. But that's the thing with Miller Park. You know that there's going to be a game, and you know that you're not going to just be, be freezing your butt off, you know, sitting in the stands. And I don't, I don't fault Cincinnati. I mean, it's like a Monday. If I, even if I was the biggest Reds fan in the world, if it's a Monday night and it's 30 degrees and it's April, I think I'm going to find perhaps other alternatives than to go and sit outside and watch this ball game and freeze. But it was just a study in two different cities. And I have to tell you, it's a lot more fun to be in Milwaukee than it is to be in Cincinnati when it comes to baseball. All right. The Joe Biden story does not go away. We talked about it yesterday. I I know it continues to be the all-consuming topic on on the newscasts. Okay, Joe Biden, he's got impeccable credentials to be the president of the United States. He is a moderate Democrat, which is, candidly, I mean, that, that works against him in today's Democrat Party. He's a moderate Democrat. He served as the vice president for eight years. He's been in Congress forever if you look at his resume and if you look at where he is on a lot of the issues he would be the ideal candidate for people who might be i don't know inclined to vote against donald trump but are scared off by some of the the hard left that the socialists who want to take over this country biden is a perfect alternative he he's a Bill Clinton kind of center-left Democrat, he's not going to, I don't know, destroy the capitalist system. That, that's just not, not Biden. But So Biden's got that going for him. On the other hand, as the Wall Street Journal editorial board points out today, he's old, he's white, he's male, he's heterosexual. All those different factors aren't necessarily, with Bernie Sanders you know, notwithstanding, aren't necessarily the, the factor of the modern Democrat Party, number one. And so over the last couple days, you've had, I think, this series of hit stories that are now coming out. And it's interesting that they're coming out now as Biden is thinking about getting into the race about women talking about Joe Biden making them uncomfortable. There was the story yesterday from a woman who was running for lieutenant governor in 2014 in Nevada. He's there doing a fundraiser for him, and he apparently comes up from behind her, puts her, his hands on her shoulders, and then, like, kisses the back of her of her head, right? She didn't say anything to anybody, but now this has become an issue. Another woman has now come forward. This one goes back to, you know, 2000. Nine, and it's a fundraiser that he's at, and the allegations are that he bent over and, and kissed the woman on the nose. Her name is Amy Lapos of Connecticut. They were, he said that they rubbed noses during a 2009 political fundraiser. Now, as we talked about this yesterday, I, I think Biden is a politician of a, of a different era. You know, there were generations of politicians who were brought up with the idea that you want to be touchy-feely. You, you want to have that human contact. Bill Clinton, perhaps the, the best example of that human contact, 
Clinton, of course, carried it way too far in the Oval Office. But that's another story. But, you know, Biden is part of that. It's the whole uh, it's the whole we're going to shake hands. We're going to we're going to touch. We're going to make contact. Now, I understand that what Biden is accused of doing is is more than just shaking hands. But this is the type of environment that he grew up in. And, you know, clearly he is a creature of that. The question becomes, is there room for somebody like Biden in modern politics? Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is that there are, that pretty much every woman of a certain age has had encounters with either men or with women who've been kind of this touchy sort of person. And I'm not talking about groping. I'm not talking about grasping. I'm talking about people who are kind of, I was using the description yesterday about people who are huggers. I, I have people in my life, and I'm not really a hugger, but I have people in my life who are huggers, male and female, straight and not straight. And they're just huggers. And I admit the first couple times it was sort of like, okay, and then ultimately just kind of go with the flow. All right. Is Biden this creepy old pervert that some people are trying to portray him? Or is he being unjustly accused? 414-799-1620. My take is, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of Joe Biden, although, I mean, given some of the other choices out there, I think he represents a good choice. But I think what is going on now is less about, gee, is Biden this old creepy uncle? And by the way, President Trump should keep his mouth shut. Is Biden this creepy old uncle? And it's more about we're afraid he could win and we think he is too moderate. And that's why you have some of the long knives that are out to get him. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Patty in Oak Creek. Patty, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. And everyone out there, don't forget to vote today, too. Um, so in regards to this Biden thing, I mean, this is kind of getting blown out of proportion, Jeff. I mean, he is a consoler. Um, and there's times when, you know, people need to be consoled or encouraged or whatever. Um, so, I mean, him, someone I'm touching on the back of the, the head and what have you. I mean, I know you said in the beginning of this, you know, Trump should talk and Trump should talk. I mean, my goodness <laughs> gracious, when yeah. he's going to go there. So, I mean, that's just, that's Biden. He's old school. And this is, this is. Well, but is there, a, I guess that's the question. In, in an era, in 2019, in an era of, this is the, the hashtag Me Too movement, is okay. there room for a guy with Joe Biden's past? Even, even if he swears off ever touching anybody again, is the legacy going to be too much to overcome? I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, you got to look at what his past is and what he what he's all about. And his that's one one thing that is going to be a strike against him that people aren't going to vote for him or have him be. And I understand about the me too. I do understand that. Mm-hmm. And there are some people out there, like you just said, there's some friends of yours that hug you or whatever. Yeah. And I always ask, you know, hey, is that okay if I give you a hug? You know, or whatever. But I am a touchy-feely person. Sometimes it's nationality. I mean, yeah. Italians, they like to touch and, you know, whatever. And it's, I, I know, and I totally get it. I'm not dissing that at all. And people should be respectful of people, people's faith. I do understand that. But me personally, I don't think it's going to tarnish him. Right. I'm waiting for him to just throw his hat in and watch out Trump. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Well, you know, you know Patty, it, it's interesting to me that... 
I, I guess people react to it in, in all sorts of different ways. My guess is, and of course men and women react to this, this differently as well. My guess is there is not a woman of a certain age who hasn't you know, ha- hasn't been hugged by acquaintances or, you know, relative strangers or something like that. You, you haven't been hugged at some point in time. My guess is there's all sorts of people could, if it would be like, well, if everybody, somebody, somebody came up to me and, you know, and hugged me, and I'm not talking about grabbing. There, there's, there's, there's a difference, and we all know what that difference is. I'm not talking about grabbing people, but, you know, hugging and kissed on the cheek and things like that. My guess is if every lady out there, you know, kept a list of all the times that it happened by a male, and, and and that was now a disqualifying thing. I'm not sure that you could find anybody who would be again of a certain age in a position to ever run for office. And I guess to me that that's the issue. I think you know it pains me to say this, but I think you know Nancy Pelosi is probably right saying, okay, look, times have changed, and and you need to. You need to keep your hands to yourself because that's just the environment that we're in now. But should it be disqualifying? I, I guess I don't. I don't think so, unless you're going to have women that come forward and say, "Well, okay, it's not just like he, he kissed me on the back of the the head. It's not just like he touched my shoulder. But no, he, he stuck his you know hand here, or he stuck his hand there, or he grabbed this, or he grabbed that. If those are the allegations, that's a completely different story. Tim in Fredonia. Hi, Tim. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. What do you think? What is the the pervert? I mean, I've been, I've been around a long time, a little longer than you, Jeff, but I, I've been watching all these videos, and you never see him hug the guy that he can come, uh, comes in contact with or the little gentleman, little young boy. He doesn't go after them and caress their hair and, you know, any of that. It's always the young girls. It's always the same thing. Hands on the shoulders, mm-hmm. Jeff whispering in your ear that would never think i would never think of doing this that to somebody that i just met five minutes earlier like chris coon's wife way back when or that little girl going down put my hand and whispering in her ear mm-hmm. come on come on jeff and the last lady patty and I'll, and I'll give you one more thing a little homework assignment for you to do in patty google joe biden or don't go on duck duck go because google censors everything Go on DuckDuckGo and punch in and put in there Joe Biden Secret Service agent. There was an agent on his detail, Jeff, that wanted to kill him. Right, because I can, and Tim and I. I mean, look, and I, I guess, look, I, I'm. Like I say I'm not a particularly touchy feely person. So whether whether it was 1975 or 2015. I, I'm not going to be going up and to, to relative strangers. But at the same time, he, he's also meeting these people. In the case of the woman who objected um, at, at the fundraiser in 2014, okay, he, he's out there helping her raise money. And it just, I, I guess I liken this to Biden's style. Now, is it surprising that, you know, he, okay, he maybe reacts differently to women than he does to men? Well, I guess I don't find that to be surprising. I guess the bottom line is, I just, I don't think, if, if you want to disagree with Biden because of his stance on the issues, and again, let me go back to where we started this. Uh, th- this isn't about people who are genuinely offended, I think, or think that Joe Biden's a pervert. This is about people on the left who want to see the Democrats nominate, number one, a woman, and number two, somebody from the far left. And that's what they're trying to do. The long knives are out. You know, you've, you've seen there's there's been stuff out about Bernie Sanders and how, you know, he had a hostile work environment for women. I mean, mark my words, there's going to be a concentrated effort to take out any male 
that is running as a Democrat. And, and right now, it's Joe Biden. Later on, it's going to be Bernie Sanders. That's just where the Democrat Party is. And again, I don't care who ends up being nominated, but the truth of the matter is, and I think Democrats need to take this to heart, Joe Biden might not be as far left as some of your choices, but Joe Biden may very well be the most electable candidate that's out there. And at the end of the day, if you're running as a Democrat, isn't that what you really want? The person that has the best chance to you know, beat Donald Trump? Having said all that, though, again, if, if I were advising Joe Biden, I would take him aside and say, look, it's a different time. And, and I... We don't know if you really meant anything or not, but this idea of the touchy-feely stuff, you know, for whatever, for good, bad, or indifferent, you can't do this anymore. So save the hugs for your wife and move on. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, here's a breaking news story, and it raises this interesting question of why do you think something happened? You, you might remember that Stone Creek Coffee, which has a number of locations around our area, there has been an ongoing effort by some employees to try to unionize. Stone Creek has about 200 employees, and there's been an effort to try to unionize, like the baristas and stuff, which represent about 140 of the Stone Creek employees. Again, Stone Creek, a dozen locations in the Milwaukee area. Um, some of the organizers, now the unions, in this case it's a Teamsters group, want desperately to try to get into some of these service businesses. That That's where they view... Let's go into the fast food businesses. Let's go into the coffee stores, those type of things. This is viewed, I think, by a number of union organizers as the new place where you're going to get members and things like that. And in general, they've been sort of stymied. In this particular case, there there was a movement, and, and they ended up getting enough people to see whether or not the employees wanted to certify the union. And it was just announced today that that effort failed. Um, they they don't have the vote totals, but apparently um, the majority of the workers who voted voted against forming a union, which is kind of interesting as to, you know, the why of this. You know, why did this? And this was being widely watched because the thought was, okay, if you can get into Stone Creek, maybe you can get into some of these other, you know, chain coffee shops and coffee stores as well. Well, this effort failed. We don't know how badly it failed. But, you know, my guess is the real reason it failed, and and this is the problem that unions have in 2019, is that the unions were unable to convince the majority of the employees that by joining the union, their life would be better. Now, I understand if you grew up in a union family or you were a union worker yourself, maybe you think that's just a kind of a self-evident truth. But the reality is um, it, it failed. And the vote, the workers at the Stone Creek decided, hey, you know, we we have it pretty well. And actually, they seem to be reasonably well compensated. And when the metal hit the meat, they ended up saying no to the union. Don't know exactly what the final vote in is. But this is, again, it was something that was being watched by a number of other different industries and I think a number of other different similar like coffee type of places. But Stone Creek says no to unionization. All right. When you go to the grocery store, and I know we all go to the grocery store from time to time, you reach a certain point where you filled your cart with stuff, you go up to the checkout counter, you put it on the little conveyor belt, and inevitably, 
what is the first thing that the cashier says to you? Paper or plastic, right? That's the big question. Do you want paper or plastic? Now, I have a confession to make. I almost always say paper because I, I, I think the paper bags are sturdier. So if given the choice, unless it's just one or two items, I'm almost always going to say paper. By the way, as we'll talk about in just a minute, that is not the most ecologically friendly choice. But I'm a paper guy. And to tell you the honest-to-goodness truth, if we did away with plastic bags, I could live with that. But I see the majority of people saying plastic. That is the choice that the majority of shoppers make. Well, if you live in a couple states, you're not going to be able to make that choice anymore. New York, for example, has just signed on to a plan imposed by the governor which would ban single-use plastic bags. Starting next year, stores would not be able to provide customers with single-use plastic bags. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. Food takeout bags used by restaurants. Newspaper bags would be exempted. Garment bags um, would be accepted. Bags sold in bulk, like plastic trash bags and all, that would be exempted. But otherwise, you go to the grocery store, you will no longer be able to say plastic. 414-799-1620, I think this is government overreach. I think that the government, to me, this is a free market thing. I don't think the government should be telling you that the store, or importantly, telling the store that they can't offer plastic bags. And I think there's going to be a consumer backlash. 414-799-1620, should you be able to choose plastic if you want? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Look, when I'm given the choice between paper or plastic, I almost always say paper because I think they're sturdier. I reuse the paper bags for different things. I That's the choice I make. But at the same time, I don't think New York State or Hawaii or a couple other places should be saying you don't have that choice anymore. If people want to use reusable bags, and I understand there's places where you, know, you can go in and you get some credit or something like that if you have the reusable bags, I think that's fine. Don't have an issue with that. To me, I'm just not organized enough to drive around with bags. That's not going to happen. I prefer the paper, but I don't think the government should be telling you, no, you cannot have plastic. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. On top of that, I mean, I understand the big deal with the plastic bags is they're not biodegradable, and it's not so much a problem that they end up in landfills. The problem is that they don't end up in landfills, that they blow around on the streets and they end up in the waterways or they clog up a sewer system. So it, it's more like a disposal issue. But here's the thing with paper bags. Paper bags, even though they're made out of pulp, costs it it's a lot more difficult it's a lot more energy inefficient to produce paper bags and it is plastic so if you care about global warming and carbon emissions you go with plastic not paper seems like you can't win either way 414-799-1620 let's start with jan and portage jan you're on wtmj hey there hi what um, do you think well you know i'm not a big fan of a lot of regulations or anything but the plastic bottles and plastic bags and, you know, all this stuff is just 
it doesn't disintegrate, you know. It, it, it hangs around for 100 years, and, you know, I think we should go back to recyclable glass and things like that, and we can eliminate a lot of trash. Well, I guess the problem is, though, for example, let's use my example. To make to make the paper bags, you have a much larger carbon footprint. It takes a lot more energy um, to produce the paper bags. So by doing that, you know, you're, 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 you're affecting climate change as opposed to just having the plastic bags there. I mean, what, what poison do we pick, I guess? Yeah, that's, that's a possibility, I guess. Right. No, so, I mean, uh... look, thanks for, I guess, see here, look, here, here's the thing. To me, Paper bag, plastic bags, that is, are a convenience that, that I think people should have the option to do. Now, I, I do agree that there there's an issue. Like I say, the issue is less with the plastic bag that ends up in the landfill. It's more with the plastic bag that ends up in, in the waterway. So if you want to concentrate on figuring out how to properly dispose of these things, that's great. I, and I'm all in favor of that because, look, I, I don't. I don't want to see these things in the waterway and, you know, killing fish and things like that either. But to me, there's got to be a better option than just banning them and telling people that you no longer have the ability to make that choice, given the fact that that is the choice that so many millions of consumers make. Let's talk to Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, I don't care for the rule because the those paper bags rip very easily unless you ask them to be double bagged. Right. And then uh, those, like, reusable bags look like they don't hold the really large items very well. And then life is just too short to be carrying those around all the time. Well, that's <laughs> – right, there, there, there is that, that thing. People say, well, everybody should just – you know, you should buy these cloth bags that you just use over and over and over again. And I say, look, that's fine if you're willing to do that. And I respect people who do. But i got to tell you, Jeff, that's just not me. I, I lump that in the category of just life is too short to, to do that type of stuff. If I'm going to go to the grocery store – I'm going to get the stuff, I'm going to get it in the bags, I'm going to take it home, I'm going to unpack the bags, and then I'm going to dispose of the bags in an appropriate way. That's just how I am. Yeah, I, I agree. You don't want to be ha- having, having to carry those all over the place if, if you have to make like some impromptu you know, stop somewhere to grab something. I, right, no, th- at least I, I don't. And now, I, again, for people who do that, and I know that, that they're out there, that's fine. I don't have any issue with that at all. I, I understand there's all sorts of people who do the, these types of things. I'm just saying I don't think that this is a particularly uh, practical solution. If the problem is, and this is what the problem really is, again, it's not the plastic bags in landfills, right? That's what the landfills are for. It's the plastic bags that blow around and get stuck in the trees and end up in the waterways and things like that. Maybe the answer is to figure out how to stop that from happening and perhaps how to penalize people who are doing that. Matter of fact, we've got a story on that in just a little bit. Um, Rich in Mequon, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, to your point, uh, picking your poison, uh, Jeff, uh, the paper bags come from renewable uh, sources, trees, which yes. helps reduce the carbon footprint. And secondly, there have been studies run that show the reusable cloth bags develop a very high bacteria count yep. in a very short period of time. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's... Right, that that's that's certainly an issue, you know, with the the cloth bags. So you're you're a proponent of paper bags. 
I use I use paper. Sometimes I'll use plastic if I know I'm going to be able to use that for uh, disposing of some uh, soggy, wet, or oily trash. Well, that yeah, uh, that's I mean that that's the other thing. Where where do you go with the the plastic bags? I don't. I I have a little dog, and you know I've I can't tell you how many little plastic garbage bags I go through. Sometimes two a day. You know, you take her out for a walk. I mean that's that you just use the plastic bags for that type of thing. Absolutely. Right. I mean, there, there. I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, there is there is a role for all this. Now, again, I think if you're a plastic bag user, you have to be responsible for that, and I think you have to be cautious when it comes to all sorts of you know different type of of littering that's out there. But there's all sorts of use. I'm getting all these texts from people who prefer the use of the plastic bags. Jeff, I personally prefer the plastic bags. They make great lunch bags for me every day at work. Um, somebody just texted me about how they, they love the they love the Sendex bags, those red bags. They think that that's great. It provides a degree of security. The bottom line of all this is that I think it's a matter of individual consumer choice. And I think this is a situation, from the retailer's perspective, my guess is it's a lot cheaper to have those plastic bags than it is to have the paper bags or other things. I think this is a matter, again, where the free market kind of dictates. If if a merchant decides that they you know, want to offer you the paper bags or that they don't want to offer you bags at all and they want to say, hey, you know, you've got to bring in your own, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think that the government needs to be saying, all right, we've got these plastic bags and, and here we're not going to allow you to have them. And then there's the whole idea of picking winners and, and losers. All right, well, you know, you can't have it at the convenience store, but oh, newspaper, well, you can wrap your, you can continue to wrap the newspapers in plastic bags. That pretty much assures that the editorial board writer since it's not their ox being gored, they're not going to care about it. I'm just saying, you know, let the free market decide. We don't need Big Brother doing that. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. I am not anti-science. There are some people... If you were a certain age, there, there's some things that you remember where you were during your life. Um, if you were alive during the, the the Kennedy assassination, you remember where you were when you, you heard that information. You remember where you were on 9-11. If you are of a certain age, you remember where you were, I'm told, if uh, when, when you learned about the attack on Pearl Harbor. And if you were of a certain age in 1969, you remember where you were when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Between 1969 and 1972, um, we had, we being the United States, had six, six manned moon landings. The space race, that the desire to put somebody on the moon, started, well, during the Eisenhower administration, but it picked up during the Kennedy administration because that was the height of the Cold War, and the concern was if Russia got there first, Russia could colonize the moon and put missiles up there and threaten the U.S. So, I mean, we made a major commitment, and, you know, we got... We got before the end of the 1960s, before the end of that decade, you had, you know, men that were walking on the moon. Nobody, like I say, has been back since 1962. The White House now says that they want to put astronauts, they want to have them back on the moon by 2024. And they're willing to commit some money to that. Now, the Obama administration 
really moved away from trying to get astronauts back to the moon. They were saying, hey, I'd like to figure out um, how how can we get people to Mars and doing, you know, other research and things like that. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I remember all the excitement that went with the Apollo program, and I remember vividly where I was when I watched the black and white photographs of Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. So I remember all that. I remember all the excitement that came with that. We haven't been back since 1972. I think there is a reason for that. And given that we have a limited amount of money, I would make the argument that I'm not saying we do away with the space program or do away with NASA. But I guess my big question is, if we've got a limited amount of money to spend, why would you spend hundreds of millions or billions of dollars trying to go back to the moon at this point in time, as opposed to trying to, all right, see what's out there beyond the moon. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's exciting, it's exhilarating, but the truth of the matter is that we've been there. And just to go back for the sake of proving that we can go back again, to me, doesn't make any sort of sense. We're not seriously looking at colonizing the moon. Doesn't it make more sense to try to take that money and try to go somewhere where we haven't been? Try to see what's out there beyond the moon. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would rather see us take that money, put it into saying, all right, let's go somewhere we haven't been. Can we get to Mars? Can you do an expedition there? Can we do more sorts of research? I don't see the point of going back to the moon. We've already been there. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What about you? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. We're back. Glad to have you with us. Here's a text. I'm against using the money and resources to send someone to the moon unless there's a good reason for it. The money should go to other purposes. Uh, Let's see. Here's another one, Jeff. um, I do want us to go back. Better research can now be done, including... We can practically use the moon as a launch pad to go to Mars. Well, maybe, maybe not. Let's start with Tony and DePierre. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. What do you think? Well, I think, number one, if, you know, we, we, what if they had the same attitude when Columbus landed in the New World? We've already been there. There's no need to go back. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the same, same thinking with we've been to the moon. Why bother going back? And, and the second thought I have is, all of the technology that we pretty much take for mm-hmm. granted nowadays, computers and satellite TV and satellite communications and everything mm-hmm. like that, is all direct offshoots of the mm-hmm. research and development that was used during the space program. Mm-hmm. And the contractors, once the government was done with it, you know, they said, well, we need to make this into a way that right. people are going to use it and get it down to the consumer. So, you Well, know, Tony, don't get me it. wrong. Now, wait a sec here. I, I'm not arguing that we do away with the space program or you don't fund NASA. I guess my question question is if we want to develop like these new technologies and stuff like you're you're talking about the computers and you're exactly right isn't it more likely that we do that trying to figure out how to go to mars or how to do something that we haven't done as opposed to just doing something that we did you know that we were able to do 40 years ago 
Well, I think I think part of it though is 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 the generation that that put the men on the moon are all pretty much retired from NASA. Mm-hmm. I think we need to you know do at least some some more more moon exploration just to refresh everybody on how to work in, and in <laughs> before, space. Before and, we go on to Mars, yes, okay. Right, right, right. Make make sure, and, and the other thing is that was all technology that was 50 years old, yep. you know, or 50-year-old technology to do that. How much more efficient could it be now with, with today's technology and stuff like that? Yeah, okay, thanks for calling. Now, I mean, look, I, I understand. I mean, that I'm not anti-exploration. Matter of fact, I'm arguing that the money would be better spent in trying to figure out. Let's find what the next new world is. I don't know that there's a lot more mysteries on the moon, because keep in mind, you know, we've been there, there's been six-man moon landings, but there's also, you know, we've had different, you know, there's been unmanned landings on, on the moon as well. So the moon, I think, is pretty well, is studied. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't, learn more when you go back to a place, but I don't think there's anybody out there who seriously believes that you're going to find, I don't know, any any sort of life on the moon or anything like that. We don't know what's out there beyond that. And given that there's a finite amount of money that's there, because you you can't just spend and spend, doesn't it make more sense maybe to, to do that? That's my only argument. Now, keep in mind, I understand what the impetus for the first real space race was, which is we wanted to be China. We wanted to be China to the moon. China. We wanted to beat Russia to the moon because we wanted to show the technological superiority and superior, superiority that we had. So, I mean, th- there is that value to that. Okay, maybe right now the next space race is us and China. Some people are suggesting that in text, and that could very well be as well. So isn't isn't that why we should perhaps say we know how to go to the moon? Let's figure out how to go to the next place. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to... Bob in Franklin. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey there. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Bob. What do you think? Uh, I think we should go. Uh, I think we should be exploring the ocean as opposed to going to outer space because there's a lot of you know there's a lot of ocean out there we haven't even looked at. Mm-hmm. And I think for one, it'd be cheaper to go there. And um, you know, I mean, we we yeah. already know what pressure suits and all that kind of stuff does. Right. So what would you know? What would be the problem going down and looking and checking out you know? well that i mean yeah because there, there's certainly and that's a that's a fair argument there's certainly a lot we can learn a, about things that are on this planet a, as well i thanks for i mean look i i and, and again i'm not anti-exploration i i agree with what bob is saying there's all sorts of stuff in the oceans i am intrigued by this notion of is there something out there beyond you know human life you would think that there would be don't don't know not going to figure that out, I don't think, in my lifetime. But I guess from that perspective, going back to some place that we have already been, that has been extensively studied, could it be studied more? Could you learn more? Well, sure, I, I, I get that. Every time you visit some place, maybe you pick up some new stuff. But from the perspective of wouldn't you really like to see what's out there, I, I think you have to think beyond that. And if we accept the premise that we have finite resources and there's only – so much money that you can spend on this and so much of a commitment you can make on this, where do you end up drawing the line? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Chuck in Manitowoc. Hi, Chuck. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Do we go back to the moon or do we go somewhere else? I think we go back just for the main reason that all the studies that have been saying about the helium-3 that we can mine from up there, 
one of the most efficient energy sources we can find. If we can go up there, learn how to mine safely, how to get it back, it would alleviate a lot of the world's energy problems. Is is let me ask you this: is that is that the role then of the government or maybe private industry to try to do that? Well, I don't know. I think it would be part of both, actually. Okay. I mean, there's no reason we couldn't use SpaceX to do it or or something like that. But I would think the initial funding for the feasibility studies would have to come from the government. You would rather, and you would rather see us go back to the moon than do what I'm talking about. Try to see what's out there beyond the moon. No, I, I'd like to do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, for, for, right. For I mean, I guess the economic reality is probably it's, it's at least at this point it's kind of an either or. But um, right, right. Okay, thanks. No, I, and I look, and I, I, I understand, and I'm not arguing that there's no value to going back there. I, I am arguing that you have to have priorities, though. Okay, John in Wales. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I think you need to go back uh, both there and obviously uh, up beyond, meaning to Mars. And I think it's more from a military standpoint. You know, China recently um, landed a craft on the dark side of the moon. And, uh, it, you know, it's uh, from a technology standpoint, it takes years to be able to develop and plan and then you know, launch your plan. Uh, so if you don't get into the game uh, soon here, um, you're going to be years behind somebody else doing something that uh, that we're not able to check them on or watch them. Okay, well, let me, so do you, th- that, of course, was the impetus back in the early 1960s, you know, for the whole space race. We've got to get there. We don't want to be living under a communist moon, all that type of stuff. You think we're, we're fa- you think it's the equivalent now with China in 2019 like it was with Russia in 61? No, I don't. But, um, you know, this is it's a dangerous world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't be spending the money we are um uh, annually on our military budget nor right. would uh, would china and others uh, you know if it, if it was a, a safe world people wouldn't be positioning themselves to right. to win in a sense so uh, i think that's the first priority and and uh unfortunately i think it's the first priority and then and other things will come after right so that would that would my question then would have been if if we accept my premise that you 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 can't do both there's just there's not enough money to get us back to the moon and then aggressively start looking at going further like mars or something you think the money would be better spent going back to the moon i think from a security mm-hmm. uh, military standpoint yes because um of the presence again, of china yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, there's, you know, China is there doing things. Okay, good enough. No, th- thanks for call. Well, that's uh, th- what started all this is that uh, under President Bush, NASA had instructions prepared to go back to the moon. Under President Obama, they, they reversed that, and President Obama said, "Let's let's not be concerned about the moon. What we want to do is, is we want to let's explore Mars." And now, under the Trump administration, it's been kind of, forget about Mars. Now we, we want to get back to the moon as soon as we possibly can. Actually, the way they describe this, at least some of the NASA folks describe this, is it's kind of like the old Peanuts cartoon strip with Charlie Brown and Lucy, you know, where Lucy holds the ball and Charlie Brown runs up to kick it and she always pulls it out from under him. It's kind of like the folks at NASA are saying, okay, you tell us you want to go to the moon. We work on that for eight years. Then you tell us, then you pull the ball away and you tell us to go to Mars and then we pull the ball away and now you're telling us you want to go back to the moon. For goodness sakes, just let us kick the ball one way or the other i appreciate the sentiment and the moon stuff actually i think i 
we have been there. I am confident that we can get back relatively quickly. I would like to see us look for new sites. Right now, the Trump administration is saying the moon. Who knows what the policy is going to be in another two years? I will tell you this. Whether you agree with me or not, whether it's the moon or Mars or whatever, we, we do need to be in a position where I think we make a commitment, decide, and then do it. Because whether it's the moon, whether it's Mars, whether it's something else, there are different scientific gains. And the first couple callers who talked about all the different things that the technology that we take for granted nowadays, a lot of that had its impetus in, in the space program. And so that's, you know, you, you use it for this and then you come back and you develop other other applications. And the, candidly, I'm not sure we'd all be walking around with, you know, smartphones and these computers in our pocket now um, if, if it weren't for, you know, the space program in the 60s. Just saying. All right. John McCure is back from his vacation. Before we turn it over to him, I, I did off, want to offer one more commentary one final time. Today is Election Day. It will be a low turnout election as a general rule. In some areas, the turnout will be higher. I was just pulling some numbers. The um, Madison City Clerk was saying that they've got, you know, they're running, let's see, the turnout that they had was, was around 13 or 14 percent as of as of 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, a number of years ago, it was 17 percent, but uh, back in 2015, it was only 8 percent. So turnout is strong in Madison. Madison, of course, has a contested race that's out there for, for mayor. It's going to be, I think, ultimately a pretty close race. I make no predictions on how it turns out. But for the statewide race, turnout is key. And presumably, you've got the liberal candidate who's running. That would be Lisa Neubauer. If turnout is high in Madison, that would be a good indicator for her. On the other hand, if turnout is high in other areas like Waukesha or Washington County or Ozaki County, you would think that that would be a good indicator for the conservative candidate, Brian Hagerun. Regardless of what side you come down on, this is one of these low turnout elections where every vote matters a lot. So the polls are open till 8 o'clock tonight. If you haven't early voted or haven't voted yet today, and I'm proudly wearing my I Voted sticker, Go out, cast a vote. It's an important election for the statewide race. My guess is you probably got some local races or referendums that you care about as well. I will be back tomorrow, maybe. There's an early Brewers game. Might get on a little bit, but we'll do some Twitter feeds as well. So if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I'll do some updates this evening about election results and things like that. All right, when we come back, John McCure, back from his vacation. Stick around.